Craft Beer Radio, episode 37, April 20th, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. And hey, Jeff. Yes, Greg. I was thinking maybe we could drink some Unibrew tonight. That is a great idea because I just happen to have a whole bunch of Unibrew in the fridge. Well, let's do it then. Okay, let's do a Unibrew Spotlight. That sounds good. So first, let's go on to business. We don't have much business. No. But unless you're uh, really deaf, you would have noticed we have the new theme music. Right. Well, we talked about that in the last show, too. Just briefly, but not in the real show, not the beginning. We got really sick of the the feeble wieners. So now we have Pokemon. I forget the name of the band now. Well, to the end, we mentioned them. Yeah. Listen to the very end. You'll hear who it is. Not much other business going on. So another 37 shows, we're just going to get a new music again. Maybe, maybe more, maybe less. See if we get sick of it. We've been sick of the other one for a while now. Yeah, that's so. true. Um, you can send us an email, beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can leave a comment on our website. Frapper, we got the Frapper, Frapper map. You map. can put your location in Frapper. You can go on Podcast Alley if you want. Look for us like, there. We're like in 250 this month. Yeah, so we haven't cares. really been keeping that up. Yeah, who cares? Tell a friend about Craft Beer Radio. That's the most effective yeah. way to do it. Got some co-workers at work who, uh, my manager was listening to Craft Beer Radio today. What do you think? He liked it. And uh, I think he sent an email to... Um, Corporate? Some other people. <laughs> no, no, like some other people, like the social committee that plans the, the happy hours on the first Friday of the month. So I think I'm going to be involved in the beer buying wow. process next month. Nice. <laughs> they have good beer there. Uh, so I, I can't help much, but maybe just offer, you know, a wider selection or opinion on selection. Type yeah, that reminds me that Hanfield and Hops place near you. I was looking at something about it. You can grill your own steak there, too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They charge you more if you don't grill your steak. <laughs> I'd be grilling it like, psh, psh, done. When I, was, when I ate there, I, uh, I didn't grill my own because I had a beer sampler. So I had seven yeah. little glasses of beer. It would have been really awkward to, to grill and to do that. But uh, let's move on to email. Yes, we got a lot of email in our off weeks. Luckily, the email really died down around the time that I was doing the move. So if you send an email in the past couple of days and I don't read it here, I'm sorry. But I've been busy. Marcus writes in, he's been listening for a while now, and the April 1st show was the funniest <laughs> show ever. It made him a loyal follower. That's and I had to reply back, it took that show to make you a loyal follower? <laughs> that was We had a good time doing that show. We do that right after the Lambic show. We got more. We got like four times as much feedback for that show than we had for any other show that <laughs> we've done. Which I pretty much expected. I mean, that was a show that I knew was going to generate some buzz. And only one person said he wasn't going to listen to us anymore. Yeah, what's the deal with that? <laughs> the, you know, whatever. If you're not going to listen to us because of that show, you know, okay. Uh, Russ from Cambridge is getting married in August and the honeymoon is in Nova Scotia. Does this mean he's going to have to resort to drinking Moosehead? Maybe some listeners can give me an idea as to what good Canadian microbrews there are up there. Well, I would hey. have to say Unibrew is probably available in Nova Scotia. Exactly. We're doing a show all about a Canadian brewery, a and very good one. There is also the Ontario Craft Brewers. Google for that website, or I'll try to put it in the show notes, and you'll be able to find stuff there. I know Nova Scotia is not Ontario, but it's closer than California. So, True enough. 
Jamie wrote a comment on our website. I think I tried the 10 years alt from Victory about the same time you did, and I was completely unimpressed. It was so lackluster that I assumed something had happened at bottling, but there wasn't any major flaws that I could taste. It's interesting because... And we've got a couple other feedback from yeah. people that they don't like the, didn't like the 10 years alt, which is interesting because... It's, it's, rated, it's rated high in many places. When we, it wasn't just that we didn't like it. It's that we really were disgusted by it, which is... And so that's why we think there was something wrong with the bottle because it was there was a really bad off flavor in there that was yeah. making it so we couldn't drink it. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use the word disgusted, but we, I couldn't, was, we couldn't finish it. So I, it, it's nothing on victory because I love their beers, but that that particular bottle had something in it that really did turn me off completely. Chris also writes in he had the beer on two on draft on two separate occasions and he thought it sucked as well. <laughs> Other people have discussed whether the he discussed the beer with has agreed with him. Tastes like it isn't a fully mature beer. I can see that. So, it's yeah. more on the 10 years old. Yeah, I mean, sorry, Victory. Try again next time. 11 In years. 20 years. Uh, Sean in San Diego says, He can't believe we included Sam Adams' Cranberry Lambic in our show. But he says, It's hardly a Lambic. Neither Rate Beer nor Beer Pal consider it to, to be a Lambic. And he likes most Sam Adams' brews, but he thought it was a horrible attempt to make something that it really wasn't. At least you put that one in the overly sweet, not really a lambic either. <laughs> Lindemans before the real lambics. I think it was a little harsh on both of them because Lindemans fits into its own little unique style. Right. And like I said, you know, I detected a lot more sourness than I remembered when we did the lambic show with the Lindemans. And like we said with the Sam Adams Cranberry Lambic, once you knew what they were going for, it was a really interesting idea. Well, what we assumed they were going for. Yeah. I mean, what it tasted like they were going for. Yeah, well, it wasn't bad once we stopped looking at looking at it. Like it was supposed to be a sour lambic. Yeah. When we looked at it more of a American farmhouse beer, which isn't a style that exists, but we say farmhouse because the yeast they use is a more wild mm-hmm. character yeast. It's not a clean fermenting yeast. And both the maple syrup and the cranberries, it's really American ingredients. So that's why we thought it was a, a good beer once we realized what we were tasting. Yeah, so I wouldn't be so tough on them, but I agree in in, in part that you know perhaps calling it a lambic is is not the best way to handle that, but I guess I just wanted to sell it as something recognizable. We got an email from Marcus Cox, who's a brewer at the Three Ravens Brewing Company in Australia. He just wanted to get us over the language barrier. In episode 36, we talked about Australian venues selling only light beer to keep them from getting drunk. In Australia, light beer means lower alcohol beer, not the carbohydrate modified lower calorie beer Mm. that we have here in the United States. Yeah, so that's one of those things like craft beer down in Australia is refers to homebrew. Yeah, As Graham opposed, Sanders has made yeah. that point before where up here we call homebrewers homebrewers and every homebrewer we know makes good beer where a homebrewer in Australia has the connotation where they make homebrewed um craft beer Miller Lite to just oh, yeah. for the cheap cheapness of it and then the craft brewer is either a professional or amateur brewer who makes good beer. I see. Didn't, we would never thought there's such a language barrier between the United States and Australia. <laughs> it's funny. Steve from Leeds, UK, he just listened to episode 36, Lambics, and he feels he must weigh into the pronunciation debate. Oh, boy, here we go. If you ever get to Belgium, can I sit at the table next to you when you order a Husa just to see what the reaction is when you get from the waiter? The correct pronunciation is Gers. I, I suppose so, but I've heard from several people that it's it's Husa and... I don't know. I think the Belgian beer pronunciation site for the Flemish pronunciation, I think it is Husa. Well, it ain't but. nothing but a G thing, baby. 
ALX from Montreal, which is an interesting name. I mean, his parents named me ALX. You're kind of <laughs> you're stuck there. He has some pronunciation feedback, more pronunciation feedback. Uh, Rose uh, Rose, like blush wine. Rose instead of Rose. When we said Rose de Gambrenus, right. it was supposed to be Rose de Gambrenus instead, which is like blush wine instead of Rose, which is the flower or color. Gambrenus, the patron saint of beer. Cassius's black currant. I think we said that. Uh, Brazier is the bra, but the brasser, brasserie, is the brewery. I, I guess we must have said something sounded closer to brasier yeah. when we were, um, or maybe that's pronounced different. Brasserie. I don't know. You know, the funny thing about pronunciation feedback is, is emailing us the actual <laughs> words doesn't really help that much. But we appreciate the feedback nonetheless. Uh, he says, Lamex can only be brewed in the Seine Valley as it is as, as, it, uh, as it's a protected name, sort of like champagne. There's an EU regulation on the true Lambic. Although there are issues with the possible disappearance of Lambics, most home brewers of Lambic-style beers use terms like pseudo-Lambic or plambic, P-Lambic. I like plambic. Ben from Ithaca writes in, <clears throat> writes in about the, the beer passport thing we're talking about. He's sitting there in his 1734 Alehouse sweatshirt, gained along with fine pint glass, for downing 60 beers over the course of his senior year in college. Had it not been for the eye-opening experience, he would still be relegated to drink thinking Labap Lou was the holy grail of beer. Mm. He just made the point that it does open some people's eyes up to beer where we kind of thought it's yeah. marketing to the wrong kind of person. Well, I mean, I guess, uh, hey, if it works, it works. And so maybe it is a good idea. On to Beer, beer News. news. The Brewers Association honored three individuals for their contributions to the brewing industry during their annual Craft Brewers Conference. They honored Chuck Skypeck of Boscos Brewing, which is in Memphis, Tennessee, Dan Carey of New Glarus Brewing in Wisconsin, and Daniel Daniel Bradford of All About Beer magazine. Now, Chuck Skypeck won the Brewers Association Recognition Award, so he got recognized for being in the Brewers Association. John Carey <laughs> won the Russell Schroener Award for Innovation in Brewing. And this next one's my favorite. Dan Bradford <laughs> won the FX Matt Defense of the Industry Award. Which is like and, a superhero thing. Right? It sounds like I'm a Defender cool of the Industry. <laughs> well and, and plus FX Matt's just a cool name. <laughs> FX Matt. Short Beer Commute, the Brewers Association also put out a news report, a little press release on April 12th, stating that most Americans live within 10 miles of a brewery. I know I do. I didn't until the Hereford and Hops opened mm-hmm. up, so I was not the majority of Americans, but that's I interesting. I live within like three or four, actually, when I think about it. Right. I would have never thought that such a... What percentage did they say here? Do they just say most Americans? 58% of Americans, so I guess it's not a whopping majority. Yeah, but, but that is most. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's more than 50%. Pierre, welcome back, Pierre. The wait for a beer brewed under the direction of Pierre Sellis on American soil should soon be over. Real Ale Brewing in Blanco, Texas, has all but cemented the long-rumored deal to brew with Sellis, the man who basically saved the white beer style in Belgium and created the legendary Sellis Brewery in Austin, Texas. Well, I really got a hand at this guy because wit beers are on the top of my list of great styles. Unfortunately, he can't use his name in any of his beers because Michigan Brewing Company owns it. And well, you can call it Pierre. On a, on a corollary, Sellis White is 
just becoming available in the area from Michigan Brewing Company. Time to start stocking up on Salus White. Oh, this is funny. Oh, I think you've probably all heard about this Walmart, the super Walmart that they're doing in Plano, Texas, which is going to have uh, has a sushi bar, has high-end electronics, fine jewelry, hundreds of types of wines ranging from up to $500 a bottle, and it wouldn't be a super Walmart without a good selection of craft beer. Trying to change their image. Hey. With one store. Well, if, if it, if it <laughs> makes need, money, yeah. then they're going to do it in more stores. You know, I appreciate the attempt, but I mean, come on, you got to give us more than that. In a quick news thing, Scottish and Newcastle bought the Foster's beer brand in Europe for about $680 million. Foster's, Australians for crap. World Beer Cup uh, took place last week, I think, April 15th, I think was the day it finished. California was heavily weighted in the finishing. I went through the list of um, some of the winners. I've only had 18 of the medal-winning beers Mm -hmm. at the World Beer Cup. Interesting. Sam Adams Utopias is on there. Uh, and they're light, which one? The light amber lager. Yeah, there's a bunch. It's going to be too many to name. It says uh, a coconut beer from Hawaii. That... <laughs> wow. Uh, Pabst. Okay. Pabst won. Pabst yeah. Blue Ribbon. Great Lakes Blackout Stout won Best Imperial Stout. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Kind of close to home, seeing that one go up. Uh, Troganator won uh, bronze in the uh, Doppelbach, or uh, at least one of the Bach categories. Whatever ones you taste Doppelbach in. You really, I mean, you look at this list and you're just fascinated by how many breweries there are. You know, I mean. It's just disappointing that, you know, doing this show, I've still only had 18 of those beers. And there's <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's either disappointing or, or it's inspiring. Okay, it's inspiring. We need to drink more beer. We need to get through this news and start drinking. Let's, yeah, let's beer, beer, beer. Anheuser-Busch will not be allowed to use the Budweiser name in the World Beer Cup, in, or the World Cup, the soccer one, in Germany. Uh, apparently, Bud is too close to the Bit slogan that Bitburger uses. And uh, poor Budweiser. Yeah. And what do they ever do? <laughs> They're going to have to close up shop, I think. <laughs> South Carolina may join the party. There is a measure to permit sale of stronger beers, or it yes. moved ahead. Bill allowing the sale of stronger beers in South Carolina quietly took a step forward Wednesday when a state house subcommittee sent it on to the full house judiciary committee. So, good for South Carolina. They're Which, currently limited to 6%, just like North Carolina was. And will be, hopefully, up to 14%. That's all the news. We got through that nice and quick. So, let's go on to What Beer Am I? The last What Beer Am I was Great White from Lost Coast Brewing Company in Eureka, California. The winners. A bunch of winners. We got Thomas, Carlos, Daniel, Carl, Stephen, Rick from Big Foamy Head Podcast, Ben, Heath, Ken, Marty, Mike, and Sean. Congratulations, guys. You don't win anything. Thomas submitted this week's clue. This week's What Beer Am I Clues. I am 6% alcohol by volume. I am aged in oak for two years. I share the name with a famous Macedonian, but I certainly am not Macedonian. Despite what you may think, I do not live next to Homer. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for. I know Jeff and I have been waiting for the beers. Yes, Unibrew. A little bit of information about Unibrew. They're a small brewery out of Chambly, Quebec. Um, well, you know what? Let's drink the brews and we'll talk about this while we're doing it. Very good. Let's go get the beers. Beer time. Okay, we're here with the first beer. And uh, we need to thank Jean-Luc for uh, sending us information about these beers. And also he sent us an MP3 with pronunciations. Right, and we're probably going we're, we're gonna to totally destroy them because we're just not that good at it. But... But, Un- but we'll be closer than we would have otherwise. Yeah, it's it's not Unibrew. It's Unibrew. 
It was close enough, I think. Unibrew. 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 It's hard to say. I can't. Yeah. I know what I want my lips to say, but the, they Unibrew. don't make the noises Unibrew. that I want to make. We're not quite good enough, but this is Don de Dieu. Yeah, that was pretty good. Don de Dieu is... It's a Belgian strong pale ale, which is a triple wheat, available year-round. 9%. This is going to be a high percentage alcohol show, so wait for the end of the show and we're going to be totally messed up. The Dans de Dieu was first released onto the Quebec market as a limited collection edition in November 1998. Rapidly became one of Unibrol's most popular bottle condition products. Bottle conditioners, I guess we should swirl up some yeast in there. Stop, stop. No, no, these are not supposed to be swirled up. Oh. That's well, a Belgian, that's right, it's a Belgian strong you, pale. You get a little overzealous sometimes with uh, I, swirling up the yeast. I love swirling up yeast, it's just, it's, it's a crazy, nice, fun know, thing to do. But Hefeweizens are really the only style you're supposed to do it all the time. And in the whip beers, when we were doing that, I had to go back and check. I thought we might have screwed up, but it seems optional in the whip beers, but... And uh, a lot of the abbeys and stuff, you're not supposed to swirl, you're supposed to decant. Hmm. Named after Samuel de Champlain's boat, the Don de Dieu, which arrived in Tadoussac <laughs> in June 3rd, 1608. He was commissioned by the King of France to pursue, by way of the great Canadian waterway, the exploration of the vast and inhospitable land called America. It's it, Unibrew, America. Unibrew, or Unibrew. Names most of the other beers after like historical events or folklore stuff. So it's it's just interesting to see some of the stories. It's kind of like this. how Great Lakes names all their beers after disasters. <laughs> so this is a um, well, pretty much what you'd expect out of a triple. It's got a pale color, sort of hazy, a slight head there. It's straw color, I would say. Yeah, it's got. Um, Little, uh, lots of little bubbles running around it. Lots a little, of, little head on it. Yeah. And it's got sort of a Belgian sugary smell with uh, wheat malt characteristic. Yeah, I, I noticed the wheat most with the aroma. There's, oh, I, there's some Belgium there, too. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting combination. Uh, it's not too often you come across a Belgian wheat Triple beer. wheat, yeah. yeah. And the taste is very split, too. It's, beginning of the taste is a wheat beer, uh-huh. like a Hefeweizen. And the end of the beer... It's a triple. Is, is a triple type of flavor. <laughs> it's like two, two, two beers in one. It's very interesting. And, and um, I've never been that huge a fan of triples, but this is a pretty good triple. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting how the, it's like, it's not a blend of the two beers. Mm-hmm. It's like you drink the wheat at the beginning and the, and the triple, <laughs> the Belgian at the end. You know, like you would expect out of a triple, there's not going to be a lot of hop presence here. It's mostly just getting the wheat, you're getting the, the Belgian sugars, a little bit of bitterness kind of around your mouth, but not really much. And it's a high high carbonation in the beer, or it's a prickly carbonation. Well, you want to talk a little bit about Unibrew, so let's, uh, let's go into it. The brewery was founded by Andre Dion and Sir... Is it Serge? Serge Racine. It's very difficult to get a brewer's permit in Quebec, so they did this by acquiring 75% of La Brasserie Massawippi. Massawippi, I think, is the the name of a river, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, Which is in Lennoxville. It's a company that was in financial difficulty at the time, so they swooped in and grabbed it up and started to distribute their own products, their Unibrol (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we should just say Unibrew the rest of the time. <laughs> Unibrew. Yeah, I mean, 
Okay, the correct pronunciation is maybe we should copy, put in the, the, the piece of uh, the wave file right here. The correct pronunciation of this is Unibrou. But we're just going to say Unibrou because it's just so much easier for us. <laughs> we're not French speakers. <laughs> see, see, they purchased the remainder of the shares at the end of 1991 and transferred their interest in La Brasserie Masso. It's hard in, to get a lot of good information about this brewery because uh-huh. most of the website's in French. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I got what I could, but it, it's boring stuff to read on the air here. Yeah, so. I mean, it's basically they bought a brewery in they bought a brewery in Quebec and then you know, sort of slowly turned it into their own brewery and then started brewing, putting out a whole bunch of different beers, mostly Belgians or European styles. They make 67,000 hectoliters a year, which I think, if I remember right, was about 35... Thousand barrels, not often by hectoliter conversion. Yeah, and they have a capacity of one hundred eighty thousand hectoliters. So, what's some of the beers they have? They make a lot of um, Belgian style beers. That's what they're known for. Mm-hmm. And the, the ones we're tasting tonight, the the first four beers we're tasting are available in a variety pack. So, if you can get Unibrew, you can get a variety pack with the first four beers in it. The last beer is one of their one-off specialty beers, which they do quite a few of as well. They do um, fruit flavor beers. The um, Ephemer. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they have a bunch of ephemeres. Apple, cassis, cranberry, frambos. Uh, oh, what about this one that we're drinking right now? This is not a fruit. It's not ephemer, but this is, like we said, Belgian strong parallel, the Don de Dieu. Or Don de Dieu. <laughs> if you're Don pronouncing it in in uh, American piggish, Don de Dieu. Uh, I like this beer. It's um, this would be a good wedding beer, right? I mean, the triple is traditionally a wedding. Yeah, this is a nice twist on it too. Very very prickly. I'm mm-hmm. gonna work out a little bit of carbonation here. See what it tastes like. One's a bit smooth. I like the prickliness. Yeah, it's it's known for the style as well. Mm-hmm. Just a little too much for my preference, though. So I'm going to try to work a little bit out by swirling the glass. It's really a very inviting beer. It just wants you to keep drinking. You'll like it. That's a little bit better. Just a couple of swirls. It's not quite as exploding in my mouth. There's not really a, a heck of a lot to say there's about the beer because it's like there, there's not, you know, oh, we can pick up this hot flavor. We can pick yeah. up this, you know, this crazy bitterness on the sides of our tongue. It's, yeah. just, it's sort of, it's pretty straightforward very you know well crafted in all these beers the hops are just playing a a minor role Mm -hmm. in belgian styles in general the hops don't play a major role this beer is starting to get really sweet on me being triple and all sugar yeah it's not being well it's not getting like syrupy no but it the the sweetness that's in the triple it is building up and it's uh just starting to get a little powerful for me a little bit too much i mean i know it's a style but I, I just again my preference. I need to like drink some water in here and just to wash my tongue off so I can finish well, this beer. Well, that's what we have the glass of water yeah. for. That's why we would recommend if when you're drinking, when you're tasting these beers, always have a glass of water nearby to wash your mouth out. Give a little bit of one too, just to see if you can remove any flavors maybe building up or uh, just because alcohol sometimes requires a little water. Uh, Wouldn't you say? I would say, Greg. Yes, I would. <laughs> Man, we seem a little off tonight, don't we? I, I I think we're doing great. Okay. To me, it just seems off, but I'll edit it into something. Well, we don't have 
it, it, it's funny because I expect these beers, like like we said before, they're not going to be very descriptive beers. We're not going to be able to find things in them that's yeah. going to be crazy. So it's it's just more of a slower, you know, try different beers and see what's coming out of here. That's a good point of view. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to have the hugest vocabulary for these beers. We'll we'll try to describe them, their characteristics, and. Uh, We'll rank them at the end, because yeah. I've never had all the Unibrew side by side, so I'm really curious. I've had everyone here except for the Unibrew 15, and I'm really curious to see which one of the first four I like the best after comparing them side by side. Don de Dieu is the gift from God. It was named the boat, like we say, Samuel de Champlain, sailed to establish the city of Quebec. In 1608. The one beer I wanted to try on the show, and it would have been too many beers for the show, but I wanted to try the Blanche de Chamblay, which is a Belgian wit. Mm. Um, actually, I was going to have it on the Whit Beer Show, too. I I don't know what happened to it. I bought all these at D's, and I was there was an empty spot on one of the shelves, so I sat my six-pack holders there. I was putting them, and I'm wondering if I had the Blanche de Chamblay sitting beside my six-pack holders, and I forgot to grab it or something. But I was looking through my cellar. I'm like, oh man, where is my, where's that beer at? <laughs> Do they make like a quadruple? I don't think so. Um, their their styles are not very descriptive. They don't really stay with the standard styles. They're all Belgian strong pales, straight, Belgian strong darks. Most of their beers, if you look at this list, you'll see like strong dark ale, strong dark ale, strong dark ale. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at that. I was thinking. I don't see any, you know, 14s or so, or 12s, which we see with quadruples. Right. On uh, most of these beers, you'll see that they say, Ale on Lees. Which means that the, the yeast is still there. Yeast it, is the bottom. Yeah, it, it's a, when I did the research, it's a winemaking term where they age the wine in barrels on the yeast. And uh, I think it means bottle conditioned in this term here. But I don't have any real verification. That's just uh, one of those craft beer radio conjectures that is probably going to turn out to be wrong. <laughs> Next beer we're going to do is La Fin du Monde. La Fin du Monde. Actually, yeah, the D is pronounced La Fin du Monde. La Fin du Monde. This is a Belgian strong pale ale. Triple fermentation is another triple. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but this is not this is not wheat. This is uh, barley. Yeah. So we're going to compare. Probably what are very similar beers, but without the yeast component. This one is a lighter straw color with a much larger head in comparison, but it's not a large head. It's just a better clarity than mine, yeah. I got more yeast than mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one, you know, I think should be clear because um, the wheat in the beer leads to more haze because of the proteins that are in the wheat. It helps head retention traditionally, but it also adds some haze to the beer. Oh! I got my BJCP exam. Yes, you want to talk about that. So, and you passed. I passed, but you're not certified as a judge. I, no, I'm recognized, you're which recognized. Is, the, is the lowest passing okay. one. I needed to score at least a seventy to get certified. I know the scores of two other people and the average score. Uh-huh. Looks like I actually scored on the low side. Everyone who took the test passed, but. The average score was 72, and I got a 64. Jeff, 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 Jeff. I choked or something. I, I can't believe, you know, that I'm happy that the average score is so high. I'm not jealous of anyone, but I don't know. I just thought I would have been in the 
top part of the class. Uh-huh. And I don't think I was. So, oh, well. Maybe I'll get kicked out of the show because I don't know what I'm doing. I scored. Yeah. I only scored a 58 on the tasting part. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. What I do here as a, you know, as a hobby on the show, I only scored a 58 on it. I got a 66 or 68 or something like that on the on the written part. Well, there's hey, always next time, right? I passed. You so passed. I can be a recognized judge. I don't know if I ever want to take that test again. <laughs> Not without a typewriter. But you are now, you can say you're an official BJCP dude. Beer judge, yeah. <laughs> So the room on this one is a lot it's different. A di- it's a total different because of the barley, mostly. Because, you know, you're getting that more of an earthier uh, aroma associated with yeah, the you're barley. not smelling the wheat. So the aroma comes across as a lot cleaner. And you're getting that, that sweetness, that, that triple mm-hmm. sweetness, sugar smell that you get from Belgian triples. There's a little bit more tartness associated with this one. Doesn't have the same kind of carbon. Doesn't have the same kind of prickly carbonation yeah. as one before. And also, I think that the tartness and sort of the, the barley malt is is a little bit uh, stronger than the uh, sweetness from the last one. So it's like either using a different sugar content or the barley is more is, is sort of a more overpowering sweetness than the other sugar content from the Dent de Dieu. This is way, the La Fin du Monde. A silly way to describe this, but the way that came to mind is. Think, uh, the the sugar the sweetness in this one seems like an octave lower like it's it's a fuller um, richer sweetness than the other one which is a higher thinner sweetness I you know what I say wait until you drink the whole thing okay and then see if it starts to come out again I think that what you may be tasting is the barley kind of overshadowing the sweetness a bit but that second sip I had okay. The sweetness started to come back a little bit. It seems like it's the baseline, though. Yeah. The sweetness seems like an octave lower. This is Le Fin du Monde. That means the end of the world. Right. I don't know how many of you are Pixies fans, but the Pixies had an album called Trompe Le Monde, which okay. is Conquer the World. Okay. Le Fin du Monde, the end of the world, with a map of Quebec on the bottle. This, I believe, is to honor the courageous sailors that were sailing to the end of the world and found the new world. Have you been? I've been to Quebec twice, actually. I uh, have been to the wilderness of Quebec. Um, when I was a kid in Boy Scouts, we did a thing called canoe trails, where mm-hmm. we go canoeing for ten days up in um, Kippewa, Quebec, and just a place like it's like the Ten Thousand Lakes type thing. There's just so you just canoe and you portage to the next lake and go, and so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, lots of very beautiful places in Quebec. I remember. Um, I mean, I've been there twice, and it was really the only place I've been in Canada until. Wow, until early this year when I went to Detroit and went into Windsor. Oh, okay. So it's funny that, I mean... It was funny. We're on canoe trails and, like, no one there knew any French. And you'd run into these these French-Canadian loggers, you know, back in the backwoods of, you know, middle of nowhere. And trying to communicate with these French guys was fun, you know. <laughs> the adults did. I was only, you know, 15 at the time. So, you know, I wasn't trying to communicate with a, a burly old French lumberjack or anything. <laughs> <laughs> You want more wine? <laughs> like I said, give it a couple more sips. I'm really coming around to this. The the flavors that before I was tasting the delta between the beers, right? Just the differences. But now that that the delta, you're bringing some math terms. Yeah. Now that the don de dieu is off my tongue, I'm I really this one I still think has a lower um, this this richer, fuller sweetness to it because I think the the wheat lended to a thinner mouthfeel in the other beer. It's nice. It's good. Nice. 
And this one didn't start out with the excessive carbonation that the first one had yeah. either. No, it has a totally different carbonation profile to it. This and is Le Fin du Monde. These are very similar. Way. They're both yeah. triples. One just has wheat. And they're same, you, and, you can definitely tell them they're the same yeast, too, because they have this, uh, a similar flavor profile. I find that most Unibrews, and again, like I said, never had them side by side by side, but I'm pretty sure they pretty much stick with like a house yeast because these Belgians do have a flavor unique mm-hmm. to themselves that you don't taste in Belgian style. Yeah, that's interesting Belgian because we haven't really talked about that. And, and how many brews? How many breweries do actually use like different yeasts for different brews? Rogue uses their Pac-Man yeast for a lot of their beers, yeah. except for their specialty stuff. Uh, Sierra Nevada uses their Chico yeast for most of their stuff, except for you know certain you know wheat beers and they're gonna be a different kind of yeast things like that. That's why you sort of, you tend to to pick up tastes like I can taste a Church Brewers beer no matter where it is because of the yeast they use. Okay, yeah. With Unibrew, it's it's one of the most defined. These have a a certain flavor compared to other Belgian beers, and it's hard to describe right now because I mean we're just drinking Unibrew, so it's hard to tell what a normal Belgian beer tastes like right now. Our next beer is the Maudit. Maudit. This is a Belgian strong dark ale. Uh, in November nineteen ninety two, Maudit, the damned one which is what it means, was the first strong beer to be distributed in Quebec grocery stores. It contains 8% alcohol. It's also the first beer brewed in America that improves with age. That's <laughs> It's a bit of a marketing thing, yeah. I would think. I, I really, but it does say it's a celebrable beer. So. Right. The, the first beer brewed in America that improves with age? From 1992? Okay, whatever. When served young, it is very smooth. When served after several years of storage, its flavor is reminiscent of port. It has a nice painting of the Chasse Galerie legend. The Chasse Galerie is another legend involving the devil. The loggers, or lumberjacks, were working in the, on the north of Quebec, far from the cities. In winter, the horses would drag the logs on the snow from the forest to the river, where the loggers would float and back then the river was never frozen, down to the town to the woodmill. These loggers would leave in October and return in May. The trip was too long to go back to their families for Christmas and the holidays. Holidays would always be a huge party time for the family in Quebec, which it is for everybody, I suppose. The devil offered to the loggers to fly them on a raft to the town so they could celebrate Christmas, but they had to be back in the raft by midnight, or else the soul of the loggers would belong to the devil. One did not show up, so the devil appeared and came to take their souls. But one logger had a prayer that was strong enough to scare the devil that saved them. And that's the story. It's it's a pretty lame story, if you ask me, but I'm not one for these allegories anyway. On the cover, you see a flying canoe on the cover, on, on the label, a flying canoe. And another notable thing about all the marketing surrounding this beer, their tap handles are really cool now. It's this big golden devil's tail. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, any yeah, bar yeah. you go to, the Maudit tap handle stands out like crazy. And so what we have is what I commonly call the iced tea color. It's sort of a light tan. It's, it's hazy. Cool. Yeah, it's hazy, cloudy. You can't see through it. Got, you can't see detail on the other yeah, side of the glass. A slight little head. With a pretty malty aroma, and it's mostly what I'm getting. Yeah, it's another Belgian aroma. Imagine that. And with the Belgian <laughs> yeast, it's really hard to pick up other aromas. It's a little maltier. It's, well, it's maltier and not as sweet smelling, right. or not as sugary sweet aroma smelling as the other two beers we've had. It has a lot more malty and caramel flavor to it. 
Greg's smiling and nodding his head. It must have hit his buttons just right. This is good. <laughs> yeah, it has that really caramel flavor to it compared yeah, to the yeah, other yeah. ones. Uh, a caramel sweetness, but not like overly, overtly uh, sugary. Um, it's got this sort of nice malt through the whole thing with slight amount of carbonation enough to give it to push it through. You have to drink another sip because sure. <laughs> I have a hard I, uh, time describing because it's so good. I've had this beer a bunch before, and it never hit me like it did just now. I think after tuning my palate with the thinner, fizzier beers, it really makes the caramel stand out in mm. this one. And that's the it's a really good selling point for this beer. It, it's, when that stands out, it makes this beer taste really good. Yeah. It kind of gets onto your tongue and evaporates away and gets this really nice caramel alcohol flavor. It's caramelly. It's good. It's a lot maltier. And it's, it's darker. Again, it's pretty fizzy. Lots of carbonation in this beer. So I'm going to swirl it a little bit, try to work some out. Because you really like to swirl. I'm kind of not a swirl guy. I like to let the I, beer I, be. When, a, when it's exploding on your tongue so much as this beer is, I, I'm not able to taste it as good. And I just think I'm missing some flavor. I don't know. To me, it's like the prickliest part of the flavor. And once, if, if you dim that down a bit, it, it gets a little waterier. It doesn't well, really feel right. If you do it a lot, it gets watery because the carbonation does improve mouthfeel. It does open up your tongue for more flavor. But when it's too much, just maybe it makes the flavor too powerful. I don't know, but it's just... Maybe your tongue's too sensitive. Maybe. No, if my tongue was too sensitive, I would have scored higher on the tasting plan than the beer judge test. <laughs> well, I didn't test for your carbonation ability. That was the Maldite, and our next one is... Trois pistoles. Trois pistoles. Trois pistoles. Yeah, trois pistoles. This is the Belgian dark ale, another one. It's nine percent. So these are all they're all up in the alcohol. Yeah, Unibrew doesn't make any uh, <laughs> light beer. I don't want to have another explicit thing on our, our tag, so they're not effing around, are they? <laughs> oh, here's one at uh, three point eight five percent, but that is all by itself. That everything beer's else, gay. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> the Raft Man is actually a low alcohol beer. I've been, wanting to, I've been wanting to try the Raft Man. The Raft Man. This is dark. Wow, look at how dark that's pouring. Give Greg a little bit more so I take a little bit less. <laughs> uh, Tropistol was uh, launched in June of 1997. It contains 9% alcohol. It's brewed with roasted malt. It's rich, smooth texture, and the presence of yeast used for in-bottle re-fermentation give it a very distinctive flavor. This dark beer has an aroma of ripe fruit and pleasant aftertaste that lingers like old port wine. Well, let's put that to the test. Tropistol is a town... In the lower St. Lawrence region. I'm guessing it means three pistols. Or flowers, maybe? Part three, of flower. Well, pistol is the sexual organ of yeah, a flower. exactly. A black horse was lent by a person, sometimes the devil, in some recollection of the story, to build a church. The horse was quite strong. He was not supposed to be let loose one day. With one stone remaining to be put in the church, the priest removed the harness from the horse, who flied away. Well, Jean Luc, who, who wrote the story, says that you know he's repeating he's repeating the story from memory. He may have it's similar. Wrong. The official story is a little bit closer to the 
the town needed to build a church. Uh-huh. This doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> the devil lent them a horse to help build the church. Hey, the and, devil's not, not a bad guy. <laughs> Why would the devil lend them a horse to build a church? But then the horse, like I said, flied away because it got loose. And the label has the, the church with three towers and, and a... A horse looks like a Pegasus on the back because there's big demon wings behind it. You know, when you start really, you know, asking logical questions of stories like these, they do tend to break down a bit. How's the canoe fly? <laughs> Isn't that again? What about winter resistance? I look there, the memories of the canoe, and it just doesn't have the, the weight to lift ratio. There's no thrust. <laughs> there's no lift associated with the canoe. There's no supporting frame. Okay. <laughs> Let's focus. Let's focus. Back to the beer. It is a very much darker. It's um, <clears throat> a dark red with with uh, not necessarily ruby highlights, but more tangerine highlights, and it's got a tiny bit of a head up there. This one has the least amount of aroma out of all the beers so far. You think so? I'm getting a big aroma from this. I'm getting well, not big, but I'm getting um. Hmm. Almost a cherryish aroma. I'm a little stuffed, so it's a little okay. bit hard. There, there's a little bit of the caramel there. See, so yeah, I'm getting that cherry. That yeah, it has a cherry flavor that is not quite cherry, but it's cherry esque. It's definitely not as caramely as yeah. last beer, but it does seem to have some kind of tart fruitiness, fruitiness to it, like a like a, a tart cherry or. Pomegranate is another is a flavor that I think you know is associated with this. It doesn't quite have the when we talk about dark fruit, we talk about the raisins and the plum prunes and stuff. We're not quite getting that out of this beer. So, what do you think about this beer? It, it's it's good. I, I'm I'm a fan of it. it it's got a, a darker kind of you know it, it's it's a, it's kind of like if you think of the last one, it's kind of a, a dumb a dumb way to put it. But you think the last one is Coke? This is Cherry Coke. If you say so. <laughs> well, the last one was Coke, and this is Dr. Pepper. It's more of a, it's got more of a fruity taste to it, and it's got a little bit of a darker kind of of, of a, um, an, I don't want to say earthier, but sort of a darker, fruitier flavor uh, than the last one, which was more sugary. So the last yeah. one is, you know, so because that last one would be Pepsi, and this one would be Dr. Pepper, because Pepsi's more sweeter. Yeah, this one is, yeah, definitely not as sweet, not as sugary. But I'm really hard. enjoying this one. I'm having too. a hard time to um, describing this one. This is the Trois This one comes across as a strong dark Belgian, and uh, we don't really have any hints to any other kind of styles. Like, for example, the um, the Maudite was a strong dark ale, strong Belgian Belgian strong dark ale, but it was also subcategorized as a strong red ale. This one's just a Belgian strong dark ale. There it is. It doesn't really taste like any other beer that I like I can think of. It's not like a Belgian double. It's not. But. You know, it tastes is not quite. It's not the same thing at all. But imagine a porter, but with a lot of the malt replaced with more of a darker, fruitier taste. No, see, when you say that, I think more of an anchor porter. Even an anchor with Belgian yeast, I'm not really getting this. Well, I guess you guys are going to have to try it yourself because we can't describe it. 
So how do you want to work this? We got that big bottle of 15. Well, I was thinking we would drink, you know, part of it for the show and then we'll have the rest of it for the post Okay, so we'll crack it, we'll taste it, we'll rank, mm-hmm. and then we'll finish it off with that. Okay. Good plan. So have you uh, been trying any new beers lately that you haven't had before? Um, I got a, a big box of the uh, double sweet uh, stout. Double cream stout. Oh, the Bell's double cream? Yeah. yeah. How's that after you have a bunch of them? It's good. Is it? okay. It's a great beer. i got to be careful because I've actually I've had some that I haven't thrown quite away yet. I have the bottle and I actually tipped it over and all that yeast <laughs> comes out on the carpet and that's never coming out. So. <laughs> okay, so this beer's changing for me a little bit now that the old one's washed off my tongue. This is the Atropos. But it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to describe it any better. That, that maltiness, that it's so hard to describe. You were talking about the 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 roasted reporter roasted replaced with dark fruit. There's some fruit there, I guess, but it just I definitely taste a dark. This fruit. one has the most flavor of that unibrew mm-hmm. that has the most unibrew flavor that that the character that the yeast gives it than any of the beers we've had so far, which is a a dry. Um, it's almost a whiny. It's yeah. kind of whiny. It's kind of vinous in a way. It's sort of, but not quite. It's just, it, it's Maybe close. that's the word I've been looking for. All these beers tonight, that Unibrew flavor is kind of a whiny flavor. Sorry. Stay on topic. Um, yeah, maybe the Unibrew flavor is a bit... Whiny. It's um. It's a dry because it's generally it's dry. Uh, kind of like grape skins, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Or um. Yeah. Grape skins is a good way to put it. It's because it's not quite the vinous that we talk about a lot, which is when you bite a piece of the grape stem, but the skin. It's more like the skin. It's kind of sourish, but not quite, and it's kind of got just a little bit of that grapey quality. And it, it really is present in all of these. And I'm curious to see what it's like in the 15, which is our next beer. Our beer right now is the Trois Pistoles. I would love to hear from listeners who, if if listeners could try these four beers like we did, I'd love to hear their opinions on each one, too. Yeah. Um, just It's just a very interesting one, how similar they are, how different they are. Then after we do the ranking, I would like to see their ranking. So if any of the listeners, you know, have a bottle shop nearby where they can pick up these four bottles, the De Fin du Monde, the Maudite, the Don de Deux, and the Trois Pistoles, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what their opinions were, too. Our last beer of the night is the Unibrew 15. Fortunately, we don't need to have any problems pronouncing 15. This is a one-off release. How do you say that in French? That's, um... I only know up to four. Ooh, it pours really light. I thought. Like we said, here. this is. Uh, don't need to pour that much because we're going to save some. Well, this, we don't have to finish the glass. <laughs> this is caged and corked. It is a 750 milliliter Damn. bottle. This is a Belgian strong pale ale. This is pouring with a big head, like three fingers worth or two fingers at least, and it's a little less hazy, but still the hazy. Oh, Greg, one thing I wanted to mention. A couple of shows ago, remember we tasted that that Burgess Zot, that Belgian beer, the Cajun cork one came in that metal tin. No, in the pre-show, <laughs> did it in the pre-show. 
Uh, it wasn't ranked very high on Beer Advocate. Uh-huh. It won the gold medal with the World Beer Cup for Belgian Pale Ale. Well, I'm telling you, we talked about this on the post show, especially last time. Those Beer Advocate rankings are totally messed up. I well, not really the rankings, but the reviews for that beer were less than stellar. Look, I'm, I'm going to say it right now on the main show. I don't. I like Beer Advocate as a resource for looking at beers, but I think their ranking system is totally off. And I think that a lot of the people who rank their beers rank them in terms of hoppiness or some crazy stuff. That really, there's so much more out there. People are ranking incredibly hoppy, high hop beers much higher than, say, a, a really balanced beer, and it's too bad. And you know, I know. So you're is, saying the world's best Hellas, for example, versus a mediocre double IPA has no chance. That's right. what you're trying to say. Yes, exactly. It has I, no I, chance. I agree. Um, yeah. It's kind of a rant against Beer Advocate, you know. And the reason why I rant against Beer Advocate because I like the site. You know, I wouldn't rant against if I didn't like it at all. Burgess is on. It, the reviews were not very good. The mm-hmm. ranking was low. And uh, so I wasn't. It had low expectations. We drank it in the pre-show. We both liked it. And it won the gold medal at the World Beer Cup for Belgian Pale Ale. So obviously we know something that they don't. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> now it makes me, makes me uh, upset that I wasted it on a pre-show. You know? <laughs> That's a different smell, isn't it? This is the 15 from Unibrol. It, tastes more like a tri- it smells more like a triple than the last couple that we have. But it smells in line with the, the Le Fin du Monde, I think it smells in line with. Oh, I like the flavor. It's a lot more subtle than the other ones. Carbonation isn't as prickly. Oh, we got lots of information about this beer, don't we? Yes, we have a whole blank page worth of nothing. (laughs) Unibrew 15, Belgian Strong Pale Ale. It's a one-off release, and it's 10%. That is (laughs) all the information we have about this beer. Well, we have, let's see, its hops are, its malt is, its awards are. (laughs) Greg's making fun of... The form I fill out for all these beers. <laughs> okay, this is their 15th anniversary beer. Bottled, apparently, <clears throat> January 6, 2006. It is silk screen on a 750 milliliter Cajun corked bottle. Okay. So we haven't talked about the beer other than it's more subtle than the... Well, I mean, it's weird because I'm not tasting much because of the other two. Okay, see, I I like this beer. I really like this beer. It's more... I thought the other beers... The Le Fin du Monde, the Maudit, the Don du Du. They all had certain aspects that were overpowering, I thought. And uh, this one, I think, right in the middle. I think it's good flavor, but not overpowering. And uh, I've only had two sips of it, but I know what my favorite one of the night is already. Wow. Well, it's about that time of the show where we rank. So let's hear it. What do you got? Okay, number 15. <laughs> I've had three sips now, and it's just doing it for me. It's um, it's smoother. There's um, a lot of alcohol in it, obviously. Ooh, but um, You're not kidding. The carbonation isn't crazy on it, which turned me off on the first couple beers. I don't know. The flavor is just right there, and it's, it's not overpowering, and it's not. Number two is going to have to be the Maudit, the Caramel. Caramel flavors in in the Maudit. I really like that. Number three, 
I'm going to do the Dawn to do because the triple with the wheat was more interesting. It's not something you get right, every right, day. Right. Number saying. four, Le Fin du Monde. And then the last one is the uh, the second last beer we wow. had was the Trois Pistoles because I, I couldn't, it just wasn't a really exciting me. I didn't know, couldn't figure out what I was tasting and I just didn't really like the flavor that much. Interesting because my ranking is much different. Let's see here. Do, do, do something like that. I just noticed in the back of all the um, Unibrew glasses, they show you the glassware you're supposed to use, and then they show you the glassware you're not supposed to use. And for every one of them, it is do not use a flute. But for the other ones, it's either a goblet, a snifter, or a um, a narrow snifter, I guess, a, a Belgian glass like that. So we're using pine glasses for this. We really well, yeah. screwed the pooch on that one. Oh, well. Mm, and I'm probably going to do that like that. Okay, so which end's your number one? Uh, so this in? is number one. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so our, our feelings in the beer are very, very different. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the Tropistole's difference. I really enjoyed that, that dark, fruity flavor. That was really... This is the first time that Greg's best beer is my worst beer. Is it? Is it the first time? Yeah. The well, first the wor- from uh, best to last, yeah. Well, I mean, and worst, remember, it's a relative term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't horrible for me, but it's just out of the ease. It was definitely cleaning up. Well, let me just say right now, you're wrong. And let me say, Pistols <laughs> was uh, my favorite of the night. And after that was because I just I really like that you know that mm, that yummy dark mm, okay. f- ch- cherry flavor or whatever it was. And I go with the Domni Dew because you know what? That wheat thing was really cool. Yeah, it was a wheat that triple. That wheat triple was, was you, really uh, interesting. If you have the chance to try a wheat triple and you haven't, try it. <laughs> and then I would go with the Maldit because you remember how much I smiled when I had that one? Yeah. I really liked the caramel on that. And it wasn't quite as good as the other two, I think, but it was really good. Then this Unibrew 15 was I'm surprised you put the Maldit behind the Domni Dew. Well, when you were talking about it, I realized, you know what? That was really, because the yeast and the triple is really pretty good. And it, it kind of explains why my last one, but, it, but first but first is my 15, before that one, which which I'm drinking right now, which is good. But, you, you know, it's it's good. It's good. That's it. And my last was La Fin du Monde, which is sort of a standard triple. And I'm not really that much of a fan of triples. I mean, not, not right, okay. I understand. I'm just surprised you put the Trois Pistoles uh, first. I really like the Trois Pistoles. All right. Well, let's wrap this up because we're running long. Let's jump into the post show. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we are probably doing my box. Uh, Some of the upcoming shows, we have the Bell's Weed Experiment. We have some uh, light craft beers. And I bought for something else, but I don't recall. Well, there'll there'll be shows coming up. Don't you worry. We'll get to at least number 40. Um, let us know if uh, let us know what you think about the new studio. If that reverb is really coming through loud, let us know. We don't hear at this point. We're too drunk. I'll put some more effort in getting some sound dampening up on the walls. And thank you for listening. I can see your yeast guy there. Yeah, there's my little yeasty up there. Oh, no. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. 
The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Let's go.